Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. We're in this freedom series, and uh, I always like defining the series that we're in, freedom, right? Free dominion is kind of how you break up the word. And dominion is to have sovereignty or control to rule and to reign. Everybody knows that God gave the promise, he gave the mandate actually to Adam and Eve and says, be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion. In other words, his perfect design for us, because that's what Adam and Eve were set in, that's what they were established in as the first creation, was to have free rule and free reign. Free rule and free reign. Within God's order, right, which is why I said don't, don't touch that tree, that one tree, just don't touch it, right, the one in the middle as Pastor Matt preached about a few weeks ago, but the decision or the ability to rule and to reign freely comes down to this, is your decision making free or are you impacted by fear? Are you actually making decisions God's way or are you making decisions out of fear? Because that will tell you if you actually are living in freedom. Because you can say I'm free, but then what if God asks you to sow and you won't because, yeah, you're free to do whatever you want, but God's best form of freedom is for you to do what he says. And so I found the only way I can be free is if I drive out fear, because the Bible says that it, you know, fear will come, but we are to drive it out through perfect love. And it's kind of like, you know, I, we, my wife and I were blessed with this miracle home that we got into, God, God got us into, really, um, six months ago now. It's been absolutely crazy. But one thing I found, you know, living on almost half an acre, uh, I was used to living in a townhome, living on property. Now I've actually got to maintain it. That's a whole nother, I don't have time to talk about that, but I do have time to talk about the weeds that keep coming up because, you know, we bought the property and they had done a really good job maintaining it when it was listed, right? I'm like, man, there's no weeds here. These succulents are cool. You know, there's, I could see all the things that we want to do to it. I, I, could, I could see, I could dream. Pastor Matt's like, oh, you could have this and that. I'm like, yeah, it's amazing. I could see it too. And then I get in the, in the, in the house and then uh, this little green stuff starts growing. I'm like, that ain't no succulent. That's definitely not turf, which is what I want. I don't know what that is. It's a weed. I didn't ask it to grow. I didn't even plant weed seeds. I would remember if I planted the seeds of weed. Not marijuana, weed, like the weeds, they just grow. And so I'm like, okay, I got to go pull these things out. And so I get out there on, you know, Saturday mornings on my Sabbath, you know, I'm out there and I'm pulling weeds. Actually, it's quite, quite therapeutic, but I would get out there and I would pull them out. And then, you know, I even turned the water off that was irrigating because there's no lawn. It's just, you know, it's dirt and succulents, which I pulled out as well because my wife's like, we don't need those succulents. So pull out succulents, pulled out the weeds, I thought. And then a few weeks later, I even turned the water off. So I'm like, no more watering the weeds. And then... I woke up one day, and these weeds are back. 
in the same places that I thought I had pulled them out. So I went in and I started digging them out and I realized that I didn't pull them out by the root. And because I didn't pull them out by the root, the thing started to grow again. And I found in my life that I can numb things. I can hide from some things I'm afraid of. I, I can even try and pull stuff out in the natural. I can start to, to, to take care of things in the natural. But until I dig out the root of fear, until I dig out the root of rejection, until I dig out the root of the thing that's holding me back from my life of freedom, it will always come back. And so we want to live in this dominion. We want to live in this ruling and reigning. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and a sound mind. You see, once again, you can justify the fact that you're living in wisdom. You say, it's not fear. I'm not living fearful. I'm concerned. I'm, I'm not fearful. I'm just, I'm just overly thinking about, I'm planning. I'm operating in wisdom. Well, here's, here's how you know if you're in fear. And I got this from, I can't even remember. Somebody said it awakened you the other night. They said, how you know you're in fear versus wisdom? If something is reasonable and you're afraid of it, and it makes sense, like the thing makes sense, but for some reason you're afraid of it and you're calling it wisdom, it's not wisdom. That's fear. Now, if the thing makes absolutely no sense and it's actually like, yeah, you're going to die, you're going to fall off a cliff, then yeah, that, that would probably be wisdom. But if God asks you to sow something, if God asks you to give a word to somebody, if God asks you to forgive somebody, that's not wisdom that's telling you not to do that stuff. That's fear telling you not to do those things. And I found that fear's attempt to govern our life will not stop till we reach the other side of heaven. But we can choose to live a different reality, the reality of faith. As Pastor Jurgen always says, faith is believing that something we can't see will happen. Fear is believing something we can't see will happen. So it sounds like we have a bit of a choice as to which one we'd rather live in. Personally, I've lived enough of my life in fear. I decide I want to live in faith. I want to live in faith because the Bible says that faith is the only thing that pleases God. And so even if you're like, I'm not sure if I want to live in faith. Do you want to please God? Then you have to live in faith. It's kind of an, it's, it's a non-option. We see in Mark 9, 23 to 24, we see a man who was possessed, his, his son was possessed by this demon, and the disciples couldn't drive him out, and so he comes to Jesus. Jesus comes back down the mountain. He was praying. He comes down, and, and, and the father's like, can you please heal my son? He's like, if you believe, I will. He says, I do believe, but help my unbelief. I found that faith was not his problem, and it's usually not mine. Fear and unbelief and uprooting that is the true problem. Psalm 23 verse four says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So the title of this message is, why don't you announce to somebody your new declaration, which is I will not fear. I will not fear. So the first way that we will not fear how to deal with the giant of unbelief is the first thing is what we think about we bring about. 
what we think about, we bring about. The first key to dealing with our unbelief is to guard what we're actually meditating on because what we focus on expands. Thank you, Pastor Dr. Matt. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. You see, I've found in life, you can't actually control what happens to you. Has anybody else figured that out yet? You can't even control what you do or what you don't do most of the time, right? With some discipline, you can. You can't even control how you feel. But I found that you can influence your thoughts by what you think about, by what you focus on. We think 60,000 thoughts a day, 90% of those are the same thoughts we thought for years, decades probably. And so we only have an option of 10% of new thoughts that we can think that can actually change how we feel, that can change what we do, that can then change what we have. But what you think about depends on what you're focusing on. If you've been focusing like a lot of people on the news and the media and all this crazy stuff in this crazy world that we're living in today, you are probably meditating on fear. Oh, we're about to go into another recession. Honestly, haven't we been in one? I mean, I'm, I'm not really sure how much more recessed we can be. So you can focus on that or you can focus on what God says, which is in all the droughts, all the famines in the Old Testament, you know what happened to the believers every single time? They came out on top. They came out better. They came out blessed. And so I chose back in 2020 when all this stuff started going down, I was like, you know what, I'm kind of checking out of this old fear thing and this whole I'm going to go backwards thing, this whole my life's over thing. I read my Bible and I know my Old Testament, grew up Catholic and Jewish, I, I know that part. I know the New Testament, but I know that part and I know that of the 14 famines, believers came out on top every single time. So I'm choosing in 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, however long they say this thing's gonna last, I'm not going backwards, I'm going forwards. I'm not going to be the tail, I'm going to be the head. I'm not going to be beneath, I'm going to be above. And so because I meditated on that, I started to feel differently about the situation. Faith began to rise, I began to praise God for what he could do. I started to do different because when you're in fear, you're gonna shrink back, you're going to move back, you're not going to be thinking right and acting right, and then you can get a different result. Um, I found that uh, there's this thing in your, we'll talk about it in a second, but in, uh, does everybody remember the story of Peter walking on water? Pretty, pretty, pretty famous one. Uh, Matthew 24, verses 22 to 33 kind of talks about it. If we could put that up real quick. It starts off with Jesus going to uh, they just do this incredible miracle. And he's like, all right, you guys are gonna go to the other side of the river. I'm gonna join you. So they're like, all right, you're getting another boat. Sounds good. We're gonna, we're gonna go. We got all this bread with us. We're gonna bounce. And so what they end up doing is he you know, says, peace out. They start going and all of a sudden the storm comes. All of a sudden this crazy, crazy storm comes. One that even fishermen are scared of. How many know fishermen are scared of a storm? I'm probably gonna be a little nervous, right? So they show up, they're, they're, they don't know what's going on. All of a sudden, they see this, this figure coming out in the water. And as this figure comes out on the water, they're like, oh my God, it's a ghost. And then Jesus is like, no, 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 it's me, it's me. Hey guys, me, don't be afraid. And then how many know that all 12 got out of the boat, walked on water, and then, hold on. I think that's a different story. I think that's, that's actually not in the Bible. 
No, 11 didn't get out of the boat. Why did 11 not get out of the boat? Because they weren't looking at the one who was coming towards them, the one who could save them, the one who did miracles, the one who they knew, the only one who could save in a storm, the one who was actually written about in the Old Testament that said he would calm storms. They focused on the storm around them. They didn't focus on the one that could deliver them out of the recession. They didn't focus on the one that could deliver them out of World War III. They didn't focus on the one that could save them, heal them from terminal. They focus on everything else. And then one, where his focus was, was expanded, Peter, he focused on Jesus. And that's why he walked on water. I remember, uh, you know, growing up, I grew up in a pretty, I would say a pretty fearful environment. Um, and probably, you know, I don't want to say rightfully so, but my mom, you know, and, and dad, they were Catholic and Jewish, and so they wanted to raise us both that way. And, uh, and my mom probably grew up in a bit of a fearful home too, but then, you know, and I don't know if you've ever been to Catholic Mass, but it's not like it inspires a ton of faith. Um, let's just be honest. If you're Catholic here, welcome. You're in a good spot. Uh, I, but my dad died when I was nine, and then the year after, my mom almost died from the exact same thing. And so very early on, what became my normal was, as a nine-year-old, annual, probably even, I think we even maybe did it more frequent, but was blood tests of cholesterol, of, you know, blood pressure, of all these things. As a nine-year-old, it's like, and then, hey, you're going to have to get on medication next year. Hey, you're going to have to just all, and it just became this thing of, like, we need to constantly be afraid. You know, it was just constant fear, but it was normal for me. Because like, oh, yeah, well, my dad died of this. My mom, I, I should probably be. And so it was this constant thing of, oh, you're going to end up like this. Or, oh, you, you got to watch me eat. And it was just this constant environment of fear. And so even when I became a Christian, I would love to tell you immediately all that went away. Right? I'm saved now. I know I'm going to heaven. But every time something came up with a family member, every time something came up with how I felt or if I started to feel or, or someone I knew got diagnosed or, or anything like that, this fear of you're going to die early because that was the script that was hovering over my life. And so it didn't matter what it was, how even threatening it was, I started to focus on that. And every time I focused on that, it started to expand. And then I started to notice things about my health. Oh my gosh, and my blood pressure, my, my, my heart rate, my, my this and my that. and Because how many know whatever you focus on Expands. Your, your brain has this thing called a reticular activating system that is designed to go look for the things that you think most about. So if you are meditating like I was on my heart rate, if you're meditating like I was on the words that were spoken from my mom, well-meaning, to protect me, to guard me, to if you're, if you're focused on the news, if you're focused on the reset, if you're focused on guess what your brain's going to start to look for is evidence of those things to be true. It's a safety mechanism that will destroy your life if you don't meditate on the promises of God. If you don't meditate on the truth. There are real facts, but then there's the truth. And truth trumps facts every single day. And then, you know, there is the fear of losing everything. I mean, you know, at 19 years old being trusted, well, not really trusted, I took it, $100,000. And, you know, blowing it and thinking I was gonna do something with it. And then every time, you know, financial challenge, or every time 
I get and take this massive risk, whatever it is, buying two, whatever it is, I get in this place where it's like, oh my gosh, and it's this rehearsal of, am I going to lose everything again? Am I going to lose everything again? Am I going to? Now, if I meditate on that for too long, guess what starts to happen? I start looking for how I'm losing everything again. I start looking for the word that's been hovering to land instead of the one who has set me free to think differently to feel differently, to do differently, and to have different results. And if we can get our minds off of the storm around us and get our minds focused on the one who made us and the one who watches over us, everything begins to change. Ultimately, what I had to deal with and what I found that a lot, what fear drives, or what drives a lot of fear is abandonment. All I need to know is that I'm safe. All I need to know that is that God's actually with me. All I need to know that is that if the one who made me is with me, then I'm going to be just fine. And the other night I was listening to this book, actually yesterday, I was listening to this book, funny enough, I'm trying to do all the prep work I can before Pastor Mike Connell comes here, because I don't know about you, but I just, I want to prep myself, right? I, I don't want to just show up like I haven't thought about what's about to happen. I haven't thought about what I need freedom in. Like, I, I want to just be so prepped. He's like, well, I th- you're good. You're good. Next. Now, I don't think that's going to happen, but I, hey, a guy can prepare, right? And so, uh, so that's what I've been doing. I've been reading this book, I Will Not Fear, because I know that's something I want to break agreement with, and I want to step into total freedom in every area of my life. And so one of the things that it, you know, it was talking about was perfect love casts out all fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. So if there's any place that we have fear in our life, it's because we haven't allowed perfect love to saturate it. And, and immediately the Holy Spirit last night was showing me, uh, it was showing me a picture of me with, with my daughter, Brielle. And it was showing me a picture of any time that she gets upset or flustered or scared, the first thing that I naturally try and do is try and just get her attention. I just, I just Brielle, look, look, look at that. Look, just, just look at that. Because I know that if I can just get her to lock eyes with me, and know that I'm with her, and know that I'm there for her, then immediately fear will go. Yeah, we can clap for that, but here's the problem. I don't know about your, I don't know about you, but my daughter, this is how she functions, this, I know this is how I operate, is she looks for everything around her, all the stimulus, everything happening, she will do everything she can to expend energy until she can just focus and lock eyes with her dad. But as soon as she does, peace comes. And I know for me, that's been my pattern. Stimulus will come, stress will come, craziness will come, fear will come, and it will send me spinning in a arm of the flesh response. It will send me spinning in, how can I handle this? How can I adjust to this? How can I, and I'll do everything but look to God. I'll do everything but look to the one who all I need is one word. All I need is the comforting voice of a father who says, will you, son, will you just look at me? Will you just lock eyes with me? Will you just know that I'm with you? And it was the end of that, as I was thinking about that last night, I I just felt like, I'm like, man, I just, I love being a dad because I love the fact that I can, I have the ability to do that for my daughter. And then I felt immediately the Holy Spirit respond and say, I love being a dad to you, but I need you to let me and focus on me when these things come and not make me your last resort. Perfect love casts out fear if we lock eyes with the one who loves us. 
If God has not left us, he have, if he has not forsaken us, if he is with us, we have no evil to fear. The second point, the last point of tonight, so we can have the keys come up. I lied. I thought I had three points. Actually, I might have three points, but we're going to go with number two at the moment. But I think we're just going to go 2.5. We're going to go 2.5 tonight. Walk on the word, not on water. Walk on the word, not on water. The second step to defeating unbelief is to make sure we're following God's leading, not trying to get him to follow us. I'm going to say that one more time to help somebody. Let's make sure we're following God's leading and not trying to get him to follow us. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Isn't that funny? Faith doesn't come by me declaring the word of God. Faith doesn't come by me reading the word of God. Faith comes by me hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come because we get excited or because we want it to. It doesn't come because I recite a scripture. It comes when the written word speaks to you in your spirit, which is why you literally cannot live a supernatural life without a living relationship with the Holy Ghost. It is literally impossible for you to live a life of faith without a living relationship with the Holy Spirit. You see, because the second part of Peter walking on water, I think the, you know, the secondary, it's probably equal parts important, is we see Peter lock eyes with Jesus. Other disciples are freaking out, looking at the storm, thinking about the bread that's about to go overboard. They're like, this is the miracle bread. We can't lose the bread. They're probably not saying that. They're probably actually concerned about the storm. And Jesus locks eyes with Peter. Peter locks eyes with Jesus. And Peter says, Lord, if it's you, command me to come. Jesus says, come. Peter gets out, locks eyes with Jesus, and walks. So is he walking on the water? Or is he walking on the word? You see, because later on, in the book, in the good book, after Jesus resurrects, he shows up on the beach. Peter's peaced out already. He's checked out. He's like, I already denied Jesus. I'm lost. I don't know what else to do. I'm just going to go fishing again. So he's out fishing with the boys. He's out in the water. No storm, nothing crazy. But then Jesus, he, Jesus is cooking him breakfast. And he's like, hey, why don't you cast the net to the other side? So they're like, oh, cast the net. They're like, oh, I've heard this before. They cast the net to the other side, boom, ton of fish. I think 153 to be exact. They actually record that. Quite funny. And so what Peter does is he says, oh, okay, I remember this game. He puts on his coat. And he steps out and he sinks. Most people, when they try and jump in water, they disrobe, not robe, right? They take off more clothes because they don't want to get them wet rather than put on more clothes, right? So why would he put on clothes if he knew he was going to get wet? I don't think Peter thought he was going to get wet. I think Peter thought that the reason he walked on water, however many months ago that was, was because of his faith. I wonder if it wasn't his faith, I wonder if it was God's word. And I wonder if sometimes 
we lose heart or we get, because God, I had the faith to step out. I had the, I believe for this house, I believe for this, I believe for this. I don't know if it was a problem with your belief. I wonder if it was you needed to wait for the word. Because the Bible says it's not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. Peter thought it was his faith, not the word of his power, which is what actually upheld him. You see, I found the devil will do whatever he can to make us question, did God really say? He said it to Eve, right? Because Eve said to the devil, she said, oh no, God just said, if you don't, just don't touch that one or eat it because then we'll, no good and evil will be just like him. And the devil's like, great, you misheard God. And because you misheard God, I'm going to sow some deception in here so that when you step out and you see that God's word that you made up doesn't uphold, you're just gonna go forward with the full thing. So I wonder if when she grabbed a hold and took, a, took the apple before she bit it, as soon as she took it, she realized she didn't die. She thought, oh, well, if God said don't touch it and don't eat it, then obviously if I touched it and I'm not dead, then maybe if I eat it, I won't die. But God didn't say that. God said, just don't eat it. And so the devil will do whatever he can to disrupt, to deceive, to take the word and distort it. And I remember going after our, uh, our very first home. We were going after this condo in Del Mar. I was so excited because I was like, you know, did vision builders, we did all, like we're tithing. I'm like, God's gonna give us a house. And all these people were getting houses. And this was like 2018. And I was like, God's gonna give us this, like God's gonna give us this house. And so we went for it. And I would love to tell you that I had a word of God going into it because that would have been wise. But I didn't. I had this going into it. I was declaring something I hadn't heard. And so I had nothing to stand on when I tried to walk on water, it sunk. And I remember the day we had to pull out of escrow, not because of lack of my faith, but because of lack of my obedience. Faith comes through obedience, not through me saying something that God said. And so I remember I learned and I was like, I'm never gonna let that happen again. And thankful for Pastor Dr. Matt and Pastor Michaela because he said, don't, don't just go for something, hear from God. Go for a God story. How do you get a God story? You hear from God and then you go for it. And so our next house, I said, I am not going for any other house until I hear from God. And no matter what hell or high water came, because it did with the condo that we bought and then most recently the six months, I knew I had to hear from God because I knew I wasn't trying to walk on water by myself because I would sink again. I needed a word from heaven. And if I could get a word, I could walk on it. If I could get a word, I could walk on it. So some of us, maybe we just need a word we can walk on. Because the last part that makes it really hard is once Peter walked on the word, something happened. He fell. Now we can, we can say a lot of things, like he got distracted, which I think he did. I think he lost sight of God and this process started over again. But what I found in my life, the hardest thing for me 
because I felt like I was such a failure. I felt like I lost everything. I felt like I, I had no reason to be saved. There was, I didn't deserve the grace that God extended to me. I, didn't, I don't deserve to have what I have now, but that's why it's called grace. God gave me what I did not deserve. So my default is to always go back and as soon as I fall, after I start walking, as soon as I slip, as soon as I fall, as soon as I'm, well, I lost track of you, God. I lost focus with you. My, my thing is like, oh, well, there's, God doesn't have to save me. But that's where perfect love needs to come in and actually be received. Because maybe some of us, we've walked on the word or we, we thought we had the word and we're walking on and all of a sudden we fell. All of a sudden we started drowning. All of a sudden we're like, where are you, God? I thought I heard. And what we need to do is receive the hand that's coming to stretch out and save you and actually be okay with him lifting you up and recognize that he actually likes to lift you up. He actually wants to lift you up if you would just receive it. It doesn't matter how many times you fell. It doesn't matter how many times you made the mistake. It doesn't matter how many times you've lost track of God. He still wants to save you. And so in a moment, I'm gonna ask for us to stand to our feet and I'm gonna ask the worship team to come. And I wanna pray for us. And for some of us, I think tonight is the night that for once and for all, you're gonna say, I'm done looking at the storm. I'm ready to set my eyes on Jesus and ready to hear from him. Because as soon as I hear from him, I know I can walk on the water. And maybe it's to do with all this crazy conflict in the world. Maybe it's to do with finances. Maybe it's to do with relationships. Maybe it's to whatever the lie that's been hovering over your life. You know, if I can just lock eyes with Jesus, I can get the word that I need. And for some of you, maybe you, you, you've just locked eyes and you're like, I've been locked eyes, but you've been trying to make faith happen by yourself and you know you need a word. I can't tell you how many times I've come down to this altar and said, God, I need a word and I'm not leaving until I get it. And every time, God is faithful. Whether it's somebody praying for me or whether it's me getting it myself, I know that I just need to hear from heaven. If I can hear from heaven, I can walk on that word. And there might be some of us that shame has taken over and we have fallen again after the word has been walked on. And we don't think we're worthy to be saved. We don't think we're worthy to be rescued. And we don't think that it's possible that God could redeem the thing that we did or redeem the thing that we didn't do. And tonight you need to break that shame. You need to throw condemnation to the wayside. And you need to come and receive from God his ability to save. You need to have hope reignited again. Because the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. If your heart's sick, it's probably because you've maybe even rejected hope. And so I'd love if everyone could stand to your feet. Fear doesn't have to have a hold on you. Fear doesn't have to be your final answer. Fear can actually be broken tonight if you're willing and you're able. And so if you're in this room and you're like, and I'm gonna have the ministry team come forward. And you're in this room and you're saying, I need to break agreement with fear tonight and I need to step into faith. If you want to do a little bit of preparation before Pastor Mike comes through and over the next several weeks and if you want to say fear, I don't need to wait for Pastor Mike Connell to come. I'm breaking agreement with you now. Whatever lie is hovered, whatever lie has, whatever the storm looks like and you're saying tonight, I need to focus on Jesus. I want you to begin to come down.
because I'm going to pray for you before the ministry team prays, before the worship team sings. I want you to begin to come down out of your seat. Get out of your seat and come down. Because God can heal you, set you free in your seat, but sometimes it takes a step. Maybe some of you are saying, I've locked eyes with Jesus, but I need a word. I need a word to know that this house I'm trying to get, I need a word to know that I'm not gonna lose everything in this crazy economic times. I need a word to know that my family's safe. I need a word to know this diagnosis is not final. I need a word to know that God is with me because you've locked eyes with the Father and now you just need to hear him say, I'm with you, I'm for you, I won't leave you nor forsake you. Or maybe you're the third person and you've fallen down again. You were walking on the word, you thought everything was gravy and all of a sudden you find yourself drowning and you don't know if God's gonna show up because you don't even know if you're worthy to be stretched out and to be saved and you need to break agreement with shame. You need to break that lie that says you're not worthy, you're not good enough. God doesn't love you. He's gonna leave you where you're at because you deserve it. I want you to come down because we're gonna pray that that thing breaks in the name of Jesus. And if you're in your seat, and you wanna intercede for a friend, or you wanna believe God for greater levels of freedom, you can stretch your hands out too. But as people come, let's believe that the Holy Spirit, the same one that set you free if you're in the seats, can set these people free in the name of Jesus. So Father, we thank you that you are deliverer. You are the one who sets us free. So right now in the name of Jesus, we take authority over every lie, every lie that says someone's gonna be taken out every lie that says that this recession's gonna take, every lie that says this terminal diagnosis will be the end. We break agreement with death. We break agreement with lack. We break agreement with depression. We break agreement with anxiety. We break agreement with fear in the name of Jesus. We bind you and we command you to leave this room now. We command you to leave the people online. We command you to leave the people in their seats in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you would fix our eyes, the Bible says, not on things of this earth, but on things above. Holy Spirit, I thank you that even right now, you are quickening your word to the people of God in this room. You are quickening your word, whether it's a, I'm with you, whether it's a specific word, a rhema word for them. Father, I thank you for every person stretched out to receive a rhema word for you, that you would confirm your word, whether it be in their heart, whether it be someone coming up to them and releasing a prophetic word, whether them seeing a sign or a wonder, Father, I thank you that you would release by your power a word they can walk on, a word they can walk on. We repent for trying to walk on the water, and Father, we want to walk on your word. And Holy Spirit, right now, we repent of every lie. We break every lie that says we're not good enough, we're not worthy to be saved that we've done too much, we've gone too far, we've done it again. There's no reason we should be saved again. We break agreement with that lie, and Father, we say that you would save us again and again and again, that you died on the cross one time so that we could be redeemed forever. So we extend, we thank you that your mercy is extended to us every morning fresh. And we thank you for your grace to abound towards us in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, refresh every person, Renew every person, strengthen every person. Yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil because you are with us. In Jesus' name. Wow. 
What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.